and now I know everything. Because he's just going to tell me. And then you'll consistently work at it and be persistent once things don't go well. You, God, and it just hit me because the same example that I was using like with this podcast, I, those are the only three things I have. I'm consistently dropping every single week. I'm persistent. I'm, I'm going to get the interviews. And I'm, I'm just focused on good relationships. Done. Dang, that's genius. You are smart. <laughs> <laughs> just, seriously. So now if you think about it, like we built our relationship, right? You decided you have morning meetup. You want to create more products to add more value to your audience. What we did, we got on a call, gave you my time, and you, like, we mapped out something crucial. Mm-hmm. But you didn't know that before the call. Then I Because they feel like you're poor if you don't have a decent credit score. You have to have it. First thing they're going to do is let me run your credit. Your ass going to be sitting there looking cross-eyed. Like, uh, well, you could have just took the pay the two bands off, gang. The whole time. All right, no. You got tattoos and shit. Listen, bro. You spending all your money and everything else, but what's important? No, this one, this shit was over time, like, you know what I'm saying? I'm older now, I'm 33, folks. Oh, you know man, you old, too? He talking about you old, too. Monster Cody, you can go get all, you can go get all them OGs that the, that's, that's on camera talking and ask them to show you how they live and where they live, and you will see, man, they really homeless. OG Percy is a crack addict, huh? Everybody know he smoked crack, huh? That's a dope fiend. That's a dope fiend, huh? I ain't never smoked crack. So I'm saying, okay, that's why they love DMX. They loving the dope. Man, this is the dope crack babies. They despise their mamas, but they idolize the dope fiend rappers, the dope fiend gangsters, but they resent their mothers. They resent their grandmothers for being dope fiends. Only to look at these men idolize, not look up to. They don't look up to these men. They idolize. So I'm saying, man, uh, the only reason we went back and forward is because 
I spoke on something and it was right. Y'all fighting for what, homie? Y'all for to do a fight for what? Two black men for the fight for what? So now we done tricked the world to believe that only black men can solve their problems is in the boxing ring. Like yeah. you said, let's have a spelling bee, right? Man, a debate. <laughs> nigga, let's nigga, let's have a let's let's have a, a obstacle. Let's go do an obstacle course, nigga. So you're, but I never, I never really, I never really asked him that. I never really asked him that, but I know that he felt some way because, um, because of how it all turned out. Like he was like the main person. And then from being the main person and not being the main person, I think that, that, had a toll on him. Yeah, for sure. Because, like, he used to have the vans with his face wrapped on it. It went from his face to our face now. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So I think that it probably was something there. Yeah. But, but I mean, but y'all relationship never strained. Yeah, yeah. No, nah, we was always good. Yeah. We was like, we had that Virgo to Virgo. I don't know if you know Virgos to Virgos, but we airtight like you know he was always like yeah he was like the main 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 man wow so y'all y'all make the y'all make the song grind on me mm -hmm. and it's just it's just out of here so basically what happened was they had the song and they took the song and every day they just played it one time a night one time a night and they called so many times, like, yo, if you don't my radio station. grind on me, Power 96, we broke the record for the number one most requested record in the history really? of the radio station. It went viral. It went it went crazy. And this was before, this was before it was, uh, this was before they had any social media. So we used to go, we used to perform so many times, we would post, I mean, we, was, we would perform one time, then two times a day, then went to three times a day. And every time we did a show, we got booked for another show. Wow. And my dad understood the re re reciprocation rule. So what he would do is he would tell them, even though at the time they was offering us money to perform, he would say, nah. You owe me. Do me a favor. Or whenever I need you, just be there for me. Or mm. get us another show. We'll do it for free. Just get us another show. And we was performing so much. When they say Pretty Ricky and the Mavericks is coming to the stage, all the girls are rushed to the stage just by hearing the name because we perform so much. And we practiced on our craft of performing before we even really understood music. What do you mean? What was that regimen look like? Because we would go and practice literally every day for four hours. Mm. For years. At least like seven, eight years before we finally popped. Every day. Hold on, bro. Hold on. So y'all practicing day. four hours a day. Every, every day. day. For years. For years. Only like we probably like the weekends, we probably wouldn't do it because we'll be out performing. 
or weekdays because we know we had a show coming up on the weekend. So we'll perform every day till the weekend come. Perform the sa- pretty much the same songs, though. Same exact thing. Re- repetition. Every single day. The same exact show. Every single day. Wow. Which we- explains why you guys, like, it, y'all popped. Like, you're... You're really, really good. If you like, you're you're not only are you performing on a regular basis, you're practicing on a regular basis. Meaning you got this routine down. Y'all not gonna miss a beat. We never miss the beat. Goodness gracious! Never miss the beat. Yeah, and it took off. We uh, Crown and Wheat went platinum. Your body went platinum. On the hotline went platinum. Like. Why? So, there was that was a, that was a good run of music. Mm-hmm. When did it start to slow down? So it slowed down when my father was handling all the money. He was the record label. He was the manager, which is already a conflict. We was eighteen coming in the game, so we was we was. Your dad was a manager this whole time. He was the manager. He was the manager. Then he had somebody help him manage. Right. Then he transitioned to the to the label owner. And then we had like a manager that he had doing his work for him. But you know the day to day of it. But yeah, he he didn't really make too many great decisions because because he understood the streets. Excuse me. He understood the streets. But he didn't understand the corporate. When you go corporate, like, it's a whole nother beast. Mm-hmm. You got to understand that paperwork. You got to understand how to get in those rooms and have those conversations. And he he knew it good enough to get us in the door, to get us platinum. But he couldn't take it to that, you know, to the next level. He had to pass that off. And I think it was too late before he realized he had to pass it off. You know, oh, wow. he made some uh, some bad investments with the money and, like, just left be broke. Like, Wait, zero. Bad investments with the money. Investing in your career just in the wrong way or, like, investing in, like, your Other records. stuff. Just doing stuff that ain't had nothing to do with music. Really? Did he ever, did, was, was he, t- like, talking to you about it, or he was just, like, doing we, it? We had family meetings all the time, but, nah, we didn't we didn't really have a say in, like, how he did the business. You know, he'll bring us around certain environments so we can see, because he was always mentoring us on, like, you know, the game and, like, integrity is everything. Your name, you know, your name is everything. If you tell somebody you're going to do something, you do it. Like, you know, different morals and, like, negotiation skills, how to make money. Like, he taught us all that. Mm. But he didn't understand how to invest and how to deal with the big boys when it came to certain infrastructures. Gotcha, gotcha. So, y'all, I mean, pretty much independent. Your manager just creates a label Mm -hmm. and signs you all to the label that he creates. Guys, and what's up, Aaron? Keep doing your thing, dude. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank Thank you. you very much. What did he do? I will. What did he do? Closing his first deal in two weeks. 
Congratulations. I hope you make money on it. Good deal. Good deal. You should be ringing the bell. Whenever somebody closes the deal, we should have the bell to ring or get me to rub a chicken. Chucky, where's your chicken? All right. What else you got? Anything else? Anybody else? Keith Sims. Thanks for the $5. Ben, you ever heard of salad? Salad? Yeah, I know all about salad. It comes right before you. you get a meal. Salad is what you enjoy on your way to the big steak, baby. I love salad, but not too much. You know, it's just to get you started, get your stomach going, because something good's getting ready to come. So you just give it that little teaser with the salad. All right? What else? Softla Ben, 10. Thanks for the $5. What do you know about collecting rents and putting in a sweep account and making interest off of it? An OG property manager was telling me about this. All right. A sweep account is, it's really in banking. It has to do with banking. You put the money in account. The bank sweeps it out. Some banker comes with a broom and a dustpan, sweeps up your money, and he goes, puts it somewhere else where he claims he's making more money because he's invested in something that's paying more money, and then he gives you a piece of that action. I believe that's the way it works. They sweep the money out. They put it in a can... And somewhere where it's making more money with the other money that the bank has, and then they split the profit with you. So you get a little more interest than you would just sitting in their account doing nothing. That's my opinion. Verify it with a banker, but it's very common on any kind of operating accounts to have a sweep account come in and sweep up. That's what the goddamn banks do. They like to clean up, clean up your money. What else you got? Anything? IGH Properties. Thanks again for the $99.99. Ben. $99.99. Ben, I, I outspent the doctor. Real estate investors make more money than doctors anyways. I'm only renting for Section 8 now, so if tenants don't pay, I'm still making money, baby. Well, you're a smart guy. You're doing exactly what I did. I mean, you know, that's the benefit. If you rent to Section 8 and you, you work with agencies and help low-income people and, and play with the program, then it pays off because you got security. You got the government backing you up, you know, guaranteeing you they're going to gonna, uh, pay you that money. So I'm glad. I'm happy for you. I wish I was in your shoes because I'm not in those shoes. Shagadam, thanks for the $5. Hey, Ben, thanks for... For your insights, when do you think the real estate market will crash and when will be a good time to buy? You know, right now we're in uncharted waters. You know, everybody's holding on, but I'm telling you now, and everybody's got a prediction. And, and half the time, people predict the right thing. Why? Because you're either right or you're wrong. You got a 50% chance. It's like going, it's like when my wife goes to the roulette table. You know, she either plays the black or the red. Why? Because she knows she's got a 50-50 chance of winning. You know? So, um, you know, I'm predicting we don't know what the hell's going on now. The government's really pumped up the economy to keep it going. But 
I think it's inevitable. The banks aren't getting the money they need on their mortgages. Landlords aren't collecting rents right now. And, and you can't even blame the companies not paying them because they're not making no money. The movie theaters are suffering. The restaurants are suffering. The hotels are empty. You know, gyms are empty. And then, you know, they suffer. The landlord suffers. Everybody's suffering. Uh, I think that there's plenty of people, I'm one of them, ready to cash out. So, like I said, I'm putting properties on the market right now for mega millions less than I thought they were worth and what I would have took before this shit started. So, now's a great time to go out and look for bargains, okay? It's always a good time to look for bargains, but now there's a lot of scared people out there. They just don't want to tell nobody they're scared. But I would be out there lowballing stuff because, like I said, you know, you put some money in front of somebody, these days, they're going to think twice. The stock market's going up. The stock market's going down. It's like a brand new boat. I had a wax and everything. Everything's working. The air conditioning's working. The generator's working. It'll cruise at 40 miles an hour. It's got two sleeping compartments. It's got a refrigerator. It's got a microwave. You can take a shower and use the bathroom in it. What the hell else do you want? All under 27, 8 feet. Made by formula. Come on, 30 grand. Come on down to Clearwater and let's make a deal. What else you got? Andres Estronza, thanks for the $5. I submitted an Ask Ben question. Looking for a tenant help on Force Major. I mean, Major. Force Major? Major claim. Force majeure. Is that somebody looked that up? Is that some friggin' French word they came up with? Fuck you, force majeure. Force majeure, from my understanding, means that it was, uh, you know, the government or somebody major came in like a war, or government or something, shut you down. I'm trying to fight that honestly with my tenants, saying, listen, you know, it ain't force majeure. A virus doesn't classify for that. And let's make a deal, okay? I'm making deals, all right? So it's best to make a deal. If the tenant's trying to pull that, say, listen, it's, you ain't got no legal. My lawyers say they got no legal way to stand on it. If that was the case, there'd be a million lawsuits, billions of lawsuits. It's not fair to say that. It's best to we all buckle down together. Let's make a deal. What's fair to everybody? How much can you afford to pay? Let's put it on the back end. I've even given away some rent to some big shot clients. They squeezed me, you know, where I had to abate some rent. You know, it depends. Well, that's the problem. The tenant, what I didn't know, did not have a lease agreement. They were on a week-to-week basis. Okay. And we, I did not do my due diligence and figure it out, which ended up, here we are now, fast forward now, we went back to the home. We thought the current tenant was gone. We knocked on the door and someone brand new opened it up. And we said, who are you? And they, he said, I don't know. I've been paying rent here. All right, well, pay and me the rent. How much I'm not paying? Leaving. So get the gun. He said, I'm not paying. he said, I'm not paying it to you, though. Who's he paying it to? the current tenant that we thought was there at the time, but that tenant's gone, disappeared. And I don't have a key to the place. 
Um, so I guess we labeled him as a squatter. So. All right, listen. You know, there's two ways to handle it. Well, the problem is you can't evict nobody right now. Okay? That's, 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 everybody knows it, right? Right. Okay. And, you know, I mean, I don't think, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't, the guy who sold you the house screwed you. I mean, because he should have been collecting rent. Wasn't he collecting rent? He he was collecting rent. This was right before Corona stuff happened. He was collecting rent. Sounds like the a scam. The tenant was apparently good. Can you listen, hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. But listen, that guy, yeah. listen, but, that guy, if he, well, is there any way of reasoning with the guy and having a meeting with him say, listen, here's, let's, just, let's just discuss this like to tell you. With the guy who's in there? Yeah. And say, no, I, un- I blew problem? it. I blew it. I lost my temper, and I ended up going to uh, an attorney because I called. I called the police department, and the police department stated, "If I don't have a key, there's nothing I can do. But if there's any way I can change the locks before he comes, there's something I can do about that." But it was risky because there was a dog in there. Um, and then he said, if he has proof of residency and you change the locks and he provides a letter of any sort, then it's going to fall on me. You know, the problem is because of this goddamn virus right now, you can't evict nobody. Because otherwise, you say fucking evict them. But there's no way that, I mean, does the guy want to pay any rent? I don't think he's paying rent to anybody, to tell you the truth. I'm just no. telling my opinion. No, I, I think he's just screwing no, I you. It. You know, um, so, you know, the biggest problem is you're stuck right now because this goddamn virus. Because, I mean, otherwise, unless attorney's smart enough to figure it out, you can't make no deal with the guy and say, listen, you know, I'm a victim here. You know, I bought the house. You know, you're supposed to be here paying rent. You know, and, and if he ain't got no money, say, listen, there's money out there. I'll help you. I'm telling my managers right now, if the tenant didn't pay you the goddamn rent, you go knock on their door. I don't care if you got to drive them and take them to somewhere. They got to file an application online. Go somewhere and file it. I don't care. I used to do it and, and, and get some assistance. There's a whole uh, bunch of people giving uh, rental assistance right now online for every single county. The county's doing it. The state's doing it. Everybody's doing it. So, you know, yeah. I mean, if you could try to at least have somebody go there and meet with the guy or, you know, or you try to telephone the guy first if you get his number or something or, or, or leave a, a, a note there, please call. I don't know. You know, the attorney's going to tell you, no, don't have no contact. But, you know, uh, but the, I don't know. What's the, the attorney claiming he's not protected under the eviction moratum, uh, uh, the, the Santos eviction law. Well, then what's the attorney going to do about it? What's he going to do? Called, he, said, he said he's going to get him out. But yeah, it's going to take... It's going to take how long? Take, huh? How long? Days. How many? 60. You're lucky. If he gets done in 60 days during a fucking virus, then you, he, you're he lucky. Said, he, said it's, he said it's just based on the court systems. But I said, uh, I think the, the court systems are put, backed up. Yeah, and plus they're not putting but, people out right now. Anyway, you can try that. But, you know, I talked to the attorney and said, listen, maybe let's try to settle with this guy somehow. You know, either give him a few bucks to get the hell out of here or... 
stay here, pay the fucking rent. You wanted a tenant in there, didn't you? You bought it for income, or what did you buy it for? Oh, it was supposed to be just a flip. A flip. Renovation and a flip. How could it be a renovation and a flip if it was occupied with a tenant? And you had the to get a company was, to lease. They were going to get out. Well, they were, but you're not they were going to get out. Well, the problem the is sold the, it. the person that sold it to you, you shouldn't have let him get his money until you went. How did you buy it? Didn't you inspect it when you were there? Didn't you go through the house and inspect it? Yeah. And you yeah, saw there was a the tenant, tenant there. Well, you shouldn't have. I you, knew, yeah, I, knew, I met the tenant. You met the tenant and it wasn't the same person? No, when I went the other, when I went two weeks ago, it was someone new. Fuck that. Who's paying the utilities? Screwed, Who's paying the utilities? Huh? Who's paying the utilities? That I don't know. I don't know if it's on his name. Oh, you're but not paying They it. said that if it is, it's going to be a disaster. It's not me though. I'm not on the utilities. And the attorney didn't Listen. advise to switch it to the yeah, right. switch okay. mine. No, 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 I don't do that. Listen, you better let the attorney do what he can do. But in the meantime, he took, you know, a, he took a thousand dollars. So, uh, you know, everybody's trying to make money right now. But listen, there's no guarantee with the court system. In the meantime, say to the attorney, "Hey, does the attorney anybody have any contact with the guy living there right now?" No, nobody. I saw him face to face, but I blew it. Uh, I lost my temper, and. Well, That's you need to try to, I don't know, you know, talk to the attorney, see if he can reach out to him, send him a letter or some bullshit, try to contact him, send somebody over there, uh, you know. I, I don't there know is no lease agreement. I know, but it could be a verbal agreement, and, you know, who the hell knows, right? Now, listen, if it Japanese people just put on a mask. They were like, for the greater good, no problem. Mm. Um I think Andy struggles more with that. But for me, because it's something from my childhood, I mean, it's just very natural. It makes sense. Um, well, it's interesting because there's such an ancient culture. Yes. Like Andy was telling me that he went to, he was doing a tour there. I mm -hmm. believe it was with you. Yes. And someone showed you guys like a mill or some, some sort of building. Yeah. That was twice as old as America. Yeah, it okay, was so like that a, put everything in perspective. For it was him. like a house, a, like a wooden house and a mill still standing in like pristine condition because they take care of it. Um, yeah, like twice as old as America. And we were like, wow, the culture here. I mean, we've we've been to a lot of countries in Asia and you know, China's one of those places where you look at China's history and you're like like their history is there's such longevity there and the china that we know today is not original china like they have like looking at their progression mm. over history i just think is so fascinating america's harder because we're so young so we're right now witnessing you know our own progression but it's not like looking at three thousand years worth of history right you know i mean native americans were here but we don't have that written history so. It makes you think, is that where we, we could be going if we last that long? You know, it's really interesting. I, I, so I'm a giant dork, and I am a huge fan of Star Trek. I'm like, Star Trek Next Gen is yeah. one of my favorites. 
And so the whole idea that one day we could be like this, you know, utopia on earth, at least, where, you know, like money isn't like, I think there's no currency, I'm pretty sure, in Star Trek. Everybody has roles they fill. Everybody's needs are mad. There's this definite part of me that's like, that could happen one day in theory. But communism is also a good theory (laughs) and like practically it will probably never ever work um so it's it's one of those things where you know I have faith in humanity but I'm also realistic you know we could do a lot of things lots of things are possible Mm -hmm. are we ever going to get there I don't know it would be I mean it just seems like the world would be such a better place if but if we didn't have this inherently tribal DNA where we're just not like we said, like I said earlier, like territorial apes with thermonuclear (laughs) weapons. Yeah. And you know, unfortunately that's just what we are as human beings. And Mm -hmm. I, I can't see in the near future any way to get past that threshold. Yeah, but I figured out if what if we could somehow figure out how to get past that, I think, you know, like I said, your your vision of some utopian world of people that all get along and there's yeah. no borders or boundaries and right. I mean, I I agree with you. I think near future, I don't see it. Um, is it is it possible? Yes. Um, there is a ton of work that would need to be done, I think. Um, I was just reading a book that was talking about, um, like, the scarcity mindset. And the scarcity mindset is what drives people to hoard and to compete and to be like, you know, there right. might be five apples and five of us, but I'm going to take three just in case. And they're like, that that mindset gets us all in trouble like if you look at if you really looked at resources and how they could be divvied out like if we actually entertained all the options that were possible there really would be enough um for everybody like there would at least be enough for basics for everybody but that doesn't seem to be good enough for enough people like people who have control people who have leverage so that just makes, you know, creates inequality. It keeps inequality going. Um, so, yeah, I just, I think it's a long road. I think it's definitely possible. I think people are working towards it. What do you think the best way for people to get out of that scarcity mindset is? So I think it's just believing that there is enough. Believing, yeah. like not being scared that at the end of this, Like, when I finish my sandwich, there will be no more sandwich. Like, just don't be afraid, right? Like, just know that I'm going to eat this meal, and by the time the next meal needs to come around, it'll be there. There's enough, right? Like, maybe it's not going to be a, you know, maybe it's not going to be a steak and a giant baked potato, but it will be enough. Like, you will eat. You will be fed. Um, So just knowing, you know, like, investing money right like don't hoard your money like use it 
because there will be more on the other end. You know, like if you keep working and you keep moving forward, then you're not going to be without. So that's one of the biggest, biggest um, philosophical questions in life, right? Mm -hmm. Money versus time. Yeah. People chasing, you know, and neglecting their families and their children to chase money and to work. And you realize by the time most people who attain that extreme level of success or money or wealth or whatever it is, they realize once they get to the top of the mountain, it's not what they thought it was. Yeah, exactly. Andy says, Andy uh, refers to it as uh, looking under skirts. He's like, he's like, the more, the more people I meet, the more networking I do, he's like, the more skirts I get to look under. And the more I realize that's not what I thought it was going to look like under there. Right. Yeah. And so it's really, I think about like really understanding what is your goal? Like, what is your goal? What is the purpose you're driving towards? (laughs) Because I think most of us, I mean, I admit this, I, be in this person's life and deal with this person in order to get valuable intelligence from them. Right. Because that was super interesting. Yeah. And I, I mean, for me personally, part of that's like, what's the greater good here, right? Like maybe you're dealing with this horrible person, but what are they giving you for the greater good? I think on the other hand, like most people, so I worked with a lot of refugees and there are absolutely horrendous stories about what happens to people who become refugees before they become refugees, right? So you read all these horrendous stories of like child soldiers and, you know, like neighbors turning on neighbors and rape being used as a weapon of war. And you're like, like there are so many scenarios out there that the average person who lives a comfortable life does not even, like, cannot even comprehend. And when you're in a scenario where essentially every decision is, would be considered a bad decision, where, like, in your black and white, it's all black, you still have to choose. And you have to be comfortable with whatever that choice is like you can't just stand there you have to make a choice so you can't put everything into a good and bad bucket there's a giant gray area of um you know like if if I have to choose between between dealing with like some kind of horrible person who has ties to terrorism and I know that they are going to be able to give me information that stops an attack that saves 50 lives like you're gonna give that dude money you're gonna take him out like you're gonna be friends with him because he has the ability to do good on the other end whether he knows it or not Mm -hmm. right like those are the real life choices. That's what happens in real life. I think that when you are living, I mean, and I, I live a comfortable life. I just happen to have had the exposure, right? I think when you're living a comfortable life and you're not exposed to the, like, to the realities that are out there, 
it's easy to judge. It's easy to judge and be like, oh, I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have done that. Okay, well, when you are in these situations and you're standing there and you have to make the decision, let's see what your decision actually is, right? Mm -hmm. And you have to change, I think, your idea. Like, you have to shift from what's right and wrong to what is the objective, right? Especially Mm -hmm. when you're doing stuff for the the government, like military, CIA, um, like, what is the objective here? What is the mission here? And how do you accomplish that? It's not about what do I personally think is right and wrong? How do you obtain your objective how do you complete your mission because that mission is serving all of us like whether we know it or not there are missions happening right now that maybe we would disagree with but they're serving us they're protecting us right so yeah i I had a one guy on here who was uh he was a a drone pilot yeah for flying those drones over yemen those killer drones and he was like he was recruited by, I believe it was the air force that was, that was heading that program. But he was said he was like 19 years old, 18 years old. And, and they were having him pull the trigger on these drones that were blowing up, you know, people and and being 18 years old, watching people get, you know, blown up in countries like Yemen or whatever. And Mm -hmm. it scarred him. I mean, it really messed his head up. Yeah. Having to make those decisions yes. and or whether he was making the decisions or not. He was probably following orders, like right. pulling the trigger on those drones and, yep. and watching these people suffer, like on the mm-hmm. ca- watching the infrared camera, these people yep. like crawling and bleeding and Yep. Yeah. That and stuff so, can be terrifying to you. Like so, to any any human. Right. And think about like like all the people involved in that decision, mm-hmm. right? So he was pulling the trigger, so he probably felt directly responsible but there's a chain of command right there are other people making that decision people who found that location to target like the guy in charge who makes the decision to target it who like people who know that that house might have the guy's kids in it Mm. do we target or not right like there are there are there are tons of people who are involved in this decision and it, there are so many factors that weigh in. Right. And I, I don't, it's, it's, it's a sad reality. Right. Like I, I don't advocate collateral damage in war, but it happens and it's a reality and people have to make those decisions. War is not clean. It's just unfortunate. And I, um, when we were working, uh, we were working in the Middle East and I was working with a Delta Force guy and he was the nicest guy ever, like a family man. He, um, he had actually like his own nonprofit that like helped women learn self-defense and just the nicest guy And he was teaching this triage class and starts telling this story about, you know, missions where he went in, like, his missions were specifically to go in and kill people, right? Like, you and your team are going to go into this place, you are going to kill the people there, like, you know, very close range shooting or hand-to-hand combat, like 
telling stories about team members that he lost on those missions. Um, and so I asked, I asked them, I was like, what kind of psychological care do they give you? Because there's no way. So for the CIA, they do a ton of psychological testing. Beforehand. Yes, before they hire you. So I'm assuming that part of all of the special forces is... Downtown and then white folks Minneapolis. No, nigga, so didn't nobody love George Floyd. Y'all play like that nigga. That nigga wasn't shit. He couldn't get borrowed $20. He was a nigga probably borrowed $20 and a whoop you if you asked him for the money back. Because he wasn't them big old nigga. Penitentiary nigga. Stack five. If you love the nigga so much, he shouldn't have been downtown trying to pass that $20 bill. Them white folk called the police on him. He was down there acting erratically, like a dope fiend nigga. He was high on dope. Then, and one of when the white boy get him before they can even get him out the car and put him on the ground, guess what he go to doing? Crying? Yeah, nigga with the crying on. The white boy body camera showed it all. Now, when he, when he in the house with the black woman, victimizing the black woman with the gun to her belly, invade her home. He wasn't crying in. But when the white boy get him downtown, full of that goddamn dope, and he know he got to go to jail, he down there trying to do all the dope thing tactic, trying not to go to jail, swallowing the dope, crying, not wanting to get out. <laughs> nigga, get yelled, nigga. He wasn't no nigga that got the will to live, and he ain't no nigga that got the will to kill. Because he only want to kill your own niggas. White boy laying on top of you. Nigga, whatever you got to do, nigga, but you don't lay down. Them ain't my kind of niggas. Nigga, I remember I used to make the white folks hog tie me, nigga. Oh, oh, I, see. I used to make the white folks hog tie me and drag me down the hall. And I used to holler, break it, break it. They twisted my arm, break the motherfucker. When the police slammed me on the car, I hit my head, boom. Yeah, they trying to kill me. Fuck, I'm going to go die submissively. <laughs> Eric Garner died submissively. Subservient, docile motherfuckers. George Floyd just laid there. Subservient, docile motherfuckers. You ain't got no will to live, nigga. Let alone no will to kill your enemy. Now that motherfucker Mike Brown. Mike Brown tried to take the boy gun. Mike Brown tried to take the boy gun, man. His thumbprint was on the gun. Mike Brown was a soldier, was a warrior. He didn't just lay down. Trayvon Martin didn't just lay down, nigga. And them was babies. You see how the difference between the old niggas and the young niggas? So we don't want to hear shit from you old niggas, nigga. I'm the new minister for the young niggas, not Fabricon. You old niggas, the old days is over with, nigga. The old days is over with, nigga. I'm the new minister for the young niggas. 
You saw how Mike Brown died. You saw how Trayvon Morton died. You saw how Freddie Gray died. They didn't die just laying down, nigga. The old nigga been laying down for too long, including Farrakhan, Jesse Jackson, Al Sharpton. All the old nigga been laying down, man. They ain't gave us nothing to follow. That's why we had to follow boys. Little boys like Raymond Washington. Little boys like Tookie Williams. We had to follow boys. Who you think started games? Boys? Teenage boys? Nigga, I'm preaching. Don't tell me to calm down. I'm in preacher mode. Nigga, I keep telling you, bitch ass nigga, I'm the minister. Stand up and clap and say hallelujah, but don't tell pastor nothing. Let me deliver the message, nigga. Let me sweat, let me spit. Let me deliver the message, nigga. I'm the preacher. Bitch ass nigga, shut y'all bitch ass up. In this church house, come in here and shut your motherfucking mouth because don't nobody want to hear you in real life. Why you think you over here listening to me? Because you can't talk in real life and somebody will listen to you. Now, choir, y'all stand up and give them a selection. Yeah. So we can go and close out the service. Close out service. Yeah, choir gone. Someone you niggas sang. Yeah, bitch ass nigga, you niggas got something to say. One of you niggas write a, 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 a sermon song, nigga, gospel song, write something. Since you bitch ass nigga got something to say. So we can go and close this motherfucking sermon out for the day, nigga. And make sure Whack 100 get this. Make sure Farrakhan get this. Make sure every last one of them Muslim niggas in New York that's mad at me. The Puerto Ricans, the Mexicans, whoever mad at me, nigga get in line. I done left a whole bunch of motherfuckers feeling how you motherfuckers feeling, nigga. And as long as I'm alive on earth, nigga, with ten toes, two hands, and one eye, Y'all niggas is just wasting y'all money and not knowing this though. When you go shoot that video, that's a write-off. When you go get that car for your video or hop on that jet for your video or whatever you got to do, it's all a write-off. It's just about being smart and knowing what you need to know to be a bigger artist. Like, this is how you, like, be a successful music artist bro like without you don't have to be real major we're talking about a successful music artist you know what i mean like because like i say you can take over the music game right but you most of these musicians they are dipped off into other things that's making a lot of money whether it's real estate whether it's this whether it's that that's where they real money come from the music is cool but i mean the fame level, man, you can go to it. Also, I'm going to tell y'all, you can actually, let's say you really like Interscope. Let's say you really like 300. You can actually go to them and, and let them know, like, hey, I want to partner with you guys. I want to I have a partnership. And you can basically pay them to help push you. You know what I'm saying? All this shit is not what people think, like, as far as, like, from the blogs to the, you know what I'm saying? All this shit is... Done right, but it takes some money, though. Don't be cheap. If you cheat, then people won't treat you like shit. You know what I'm saying? If, if they feel like you really believe in yourself, spend that bread, 
you're gonna get far. But a lot of people who 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 have companies and who have business that are cheap don't get nowhere because it takes money to make money. No matter in what field you do, it takes You have to have people with different characteristics, different strengths, weaknesses, traits. Um, and that really worked out for us at the agency. Um, but at home, it's definitely much more of a struggle um, trying to keep balance. Um, and I don't know if it's just because at home is like 24 seven where, you know, in an op, you get together, you play in the op, everybody does their part, you know, but at home, it's a little bit messier. Yeah. So. No, I mean, that, that's a huge, a huge change that you made from being a spy in the CIA mm -hmm. or a, well, you were a, a, kinet targeter. a kinetic targeter. No, 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 not kinetic. They did not blow people up. Oh, you didn't, you didn't blow people up. <laughs> right. Operational. You operational were, a, you were one of the nice. Yeah, <laughs> that was the nice one. <laughs> the, the one that was going to get somebody to come and buy you a drink. Oh, yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> to be our friend and spy, obviously. <laughs> so, yeah. So, like, what was that like? was it something in you that happened? Like, was there some sort of, some sort of event that made you make that decision of becoming a, a spy to motherhood and family life? So once we were pregnant, we got pregnant when we were overseas and then we came back, um, right before we had the baby, like a month before we had the baby. Um, Andy was moving into management. So I was always a very behind the scenes. Like, um, I wanted to just specialize in what I did. I was not interested in moving up the ladder or any of that. Um, but Andy was moving into management. Um, and just like I, I'm guessing any place else, like the higher you rise, the more hours you work. Um, we were back in the D.C. area. There was tons of, you know, commuting time was just huge. And um, and we were still trying to live our life where we, like, we had one car and we had, like, our, you know, our little apartment, like, our kind of minimalistic life. But it was getting harder and harder because he was having to go in early and stay in late. And then I'm stuck alone with the baby um, after I'm working too, and we're trying to balance daycare and all the things that parents everywhere go through. Um, and I think for, for me, because I hadn't really done the critical thinking at that time, because I, I had, I was in the mindset of like, I have arrived and this is what we're going to do. And this is what life looks like. Um, but Andy was like, we can do better than this. Like, I am not, like, he was not where he wanted to be. He wanted to be home with his son. He wanted to be on his own time. Um, and so he was the one that kind of planted the seed of like, let's go. Mm. And I think after several months of having our new baby and having no help because we had no family members in the area, um, we were just on our own trying to balance everything. I was like, you know, moving close to family sounds good. Yeah. So that's what we decided to do. And he, um, we networked into a private company and started our new life in Florida. Yeah. That's amazing. What's it been mm -hmm. like in Florida compared to everywhere else you've been? 
so I grew up here. <laughs> and funny enough, Andy had to convince me to come back because um, I spent all of like my high school and college years here. So I went to like University of South Florida. I went to Florida State University um, trying to leave. I was like, I'm going to be a professional and I'm getting out of here. <laughs> like, I'm going to where professional people go or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was this big thing. And I was like, oh, I mean, I got to D.C. I got to the CIA. So when he was like, let's go back to St. Pete. I was like, no, no way. <laughs> I was like, we can go to Colorado. Like, let's. Really? Yeah. I was like, we can Why go not Florida? Why, why were you so against it? It was really just the idea of coming home where I felt like I had achieved. So it was my own personal issues that I had, I needed to work through, right? Like I felt like I have achieved and now mm. I'm go taking a step back somehow. It's beneath you. Yeah. <laughs> but since, I mean, I'm, I'm glad like he, he had traveled. So I had traveled the world, but not really the United States, which is kind of mm. funny. Mm -hmm. He had traveled the United States. So he said the first Christmas I brought him home, it's Christmas time there's lights on the palm trees. It's 70 degrees, you know, in December. And he was like, from the first moment, he was like, this is it. This is paradise. Um, and so because he has seen so much of the United States, for him to say, you know, St. Pete's the place, I was like, okay, like, I'll, I'll do it. And my parents lived here. My sister lives, my entire mom's side of the family lives here. Okay. So I was like, lots of family. St. Pete's not so bad. Mm. Now that we've been back a while, now that we've been back several years, um, I'm really happy. I'm really happy that he had the idea to come back, and I'm really happy that I listened to him because he's very smart. <laughs> so, well, don't say that. You actually, re you actually, <laughs> you actually regret moving back here, and you really can't wait to get the hell out of Florida. We don't want anybody getting the wrong idea about Florida. Oh. True. Do not move to St. No. Petersburg. Florida sucks. <laughs> Go to Texas. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> Everything goes in Texas. So I, just heard go a, there. I heard Texas is so much better than Florida. Yeah, beautiful. You know, they got, you can, they got, they got the new law, the open carry without a oh, permit. Oh, my gosh. I've been here. I have just read about that. That's so funny. Yeah. They were like, there's other states too. I'm like, what other states? Yeah. <laughs> Not that it matters because I'll never see the gun, I guess. Well, Texas has the le least gun violence, right? Isn't that, isn't that true? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think it is. I heard it somewhere. I don't know. That's crazy. Do you guys, I think you guys, you think you guys will stay in Florida for a while? Or are you guys going to get out of here eventually? Or Well, so we're waiting for things to open up. We mm -hmm. were overseas when... Florida's open. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> so, funny enough, we were overseas... When the pandemic hit, and hand out that's needy, you know what I'm saying? So most of the time, that's what people like. If it's a street guy, they looking for if they got bags and they looking for niggas to sign, they looking for stuff like that, you know what I'm saying? So on the other end, as far as labels, they more look for younger shorties who they can kind of fuck over. You know what I'm saying? That's the new game right now. When you too smart. They don't really be wanting too much to deal with you because it's like, you're too smart. <laughs> but we can get this little 17, 16, 15-year-old nigga that we can blow him up big and really check a bag off his ass because he don't know nothing about nothing. 
fifty thousand dollars is like five hundred thousand dollars to him, a million dollars to him. You know what I'm saying? Get his ass a few little chains and then shit, let him do a show. But we gonna make majority of all the money off his this, off that, this, that. They basically just sucking the motherfucker dry, but they gonna make him super, super famous. You know what I'm saying? So that's why you see a lot of people that was real famous. That's younger, not real, real rich. They don't be really rich. You know what I'm saying? You just be like, damn, I thought this person was like rich, rich. But nah, because the labels is getting rich as fuck off this person. But they spoon feeding them. You know what I mean? So you just got to have your paperwork in order. You got to have your management in order. You got to have your account in order. You have to have your lawyer on retainer. You know what I'm saying? You have to... um you gotta have, if you ASCAP and uh, BMI shit together, you know what I'm saying? And it's basically just about. Never came across this motherfucking video, nigga. Got me mad like this, you faggot motherfucking bitch. That's what you is, Charleston White. That's what the fuck you is, nigga. Okay? How many times I got to make videos about your bitch ass, nigga? How many times I got to check your bitch ass? I told you, motherfucker, to watch what the fuck you say, you dumb motherfucker. It's a bitch-ass nigga. I don't agree with no motherfucking nation of Islam. The reason why I don't agree with them because they don't believe the same thing that the regular Muslims believe. They are not Sunni, okay? They don't believe what we believe. They don't believe in life after death. They don't believe in Judgment Day, nigga. The Quran says clearly talks about Judgment Day and warns you of Judgment Day, motherfucker. All these books warn of Judgment Day, okay? Now you sitting here taking a risk talking about God and saying that he don't exist when you don't know what the fuck is out there in the motherfucking universe, you dumb motherfucker. Okay, you ain't been on this motherfucking earth, nigga, no more than 40 or 50 years, you old dolphine looking motherfucker. Probably younger than me. I'm about to be 50 motherfucking years old, nigga, and your ass looks 65, motherfucker. Dolphine ass motherfucker talking all that motherfucking shit. If I don't got nothing good to say about somebody, I'm not going to say nothing at all. If somebody come at me and they got a problem with your bitch ass, then I got to come back and check your dumb ass again. Until you listen to what the fuck people are saying about your stupid ass nigga. Man, in the federal prison, they need haircuts. They pay barbers to come inside the federal prison. No way. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I had a few of those back in 2017. You had a contract from the the government yeah. that says, yo, I want you to, I need people to ha cut hair in prison. So I need licensed barbers to cut hair in the federal prison bureau system. Yes. I had like three of those. And you go find a barber and you say, hey, barber. My man, I got you. work for you, consistent work at the... Detroit prison system, can you go there at least twice a week? Tell me how much you're going to charge me. I get their quotes from uh, from them, right? I put my money on top, send it to the federal government, and either they say yay or nay. Okay. Do you still do that? 
Yeah. A, I'm saying, do you have a contract with the... Oh, no, the, no, 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 okay. no. Yeah, it's been Give on. me some numbers. Give me some numbers. What they pay you and what you pay the barber. All right, so let's say the barber says, I need... Well, the contract was this. They have to do at least 200 heads, mm-hmm. right? They have to cut 200 heads. Okay, cool. The barber seems like a lot of pressure though, because if you mess up somebody's line, it's crazy. <laughs> I, don't know what it, I don't know what it, I don't know what I don't know. I got nothing to move, bro. You but you got but peep game too though. Most I, and I ain't gonna group a ball, right? But most barbers, they from the street life. Yeah, so right. they they comfortable. That's a fact. Yeah, that's they a comfortable. Fact. So, so they said the contract said I need 